Amen, amen. Y'all let these folks know how much you appreciate them leading us this morning in worship. And <clears throat> so blessed to have so many uh, volunteers who stay uh, three services and really help us do what uh, we do on Sunday. Hey, listen, you need two things for the message this morning. One is a Bible. Y'all got that? Yeah? And then the second thing you're going to need is the fill in the blank. Your listening guide that's inside the brochure. So if you'll go ahead and jerk that out as well. And I want to uh, encourage you this morning. And what I want to do really is uh, share something with you right off the bat. So we're going to do a little something different. Can I get y'all to lean in for just a second on me? Like sit on the edge of your seat, lean in. Everybody's got to do this. Some of you are already doing it, and I appreciate that. But seriously, like I can't talk, I can't say this until you lean in. You on the back row as well? God bless you. All right. I saw you back there. Everybody's leaning. Now y'all look at me, all right? How about all right? Here's what you need to take away with you today, okay? The Holy Spirit wants to empower you to make disciples. That's all I really wanted to say. All right? I could just pray and we could go home with that, couldn't we? But we're not going to. All right? He said that's right on the front row. Y'all sit back because now I'm going to preach. All right? Now y'all with me on that? So very excited about this. But you know, the third installment really of this series, The Switch, Turning on a Missionary Mindset. We're going to focus on how the Holy Spirit does empower us to make disciples. Now, for those of you who have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to Acts chapter 8. But this morning, we're going to begin by reading Matthew chapter 28. That's been our theme verse. Our challenge as a staff really is to encourage everybody from first grade all the way to our senior citizens to be involved in a missionary lifestyle. So you've got to turn on that mentality and then live in such a manner that really does make a difference in the lives of others. So go ahead with me, if you will, stand in honor of God's Word this morning. And we'll look first at Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28. It's on the screen behind me. And uh, let's read that together on the count of three. One, two, three. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all of the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Let's bow together. Father, we do pray in the name of Jesus that you would put your hand upon us as we study your word today. We thank you for how you're going to encourage us in the Spirit and how you're going to equip us realizing that the empowerment of the Spirit is available to all of us to make disciples. So we look forward to seeing what you are going to do. And that's in Christ's name that we pray. And everybody said, amen. You guys can go ahead and be seated. We'll jump into Acts chapter 8 here in just a moment. But before we do that, I want you to put yourself in the sandals of the first disciples. All right? The first disciples are looking at the resurrected Christ. And Jesus now is saying, okay, guys, here is what you need to be involved in. Go and make disciples of all of the nations. Now, whenever you read that, you would think if you were one of those disciples and you just had the opportunity to see the resurrected Christ in front of you, it's like this message of Jesus is more real now than it has ever been before in their life. So you would imagine that immediately they would have took off into every single surrounding city, I mean, just shouting and screaming about Jesus and encouraging people to become followers. But really, that's not the case. And the reason they did not do that is because Jesus told them to hold on. Now, isn't that interesting? Jesus tells us in Acts chapter 1 that the disciples were to wait for someone who would come and actually empower them to carry out the mission of making disciples. So they were to wait for the Holy Spirit to come. And that's the truth. The Holy Spirit was going to empower the New Testament disciples to accomplish the daunting and humanly, uh, absolutely impossible task 
of making disciples of all nations. And so as we look at this text of Scripture, I'm reminded that you and I in this 21st century, just like the first disciples, we need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit as well. Uh, listen to what Francis Chan, one author, writes in his book called Multiply. He says, the Great Commission will never be accomplished by human effort or wise planning, though both are crucial for the task. He says, we need God's power in order to carry the gospel into every part of the globe. And only God's power can transform rebels into disciples. And this is precisely why Jesus commanded his disciples to wait before moving out to Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. The disciples had to be empowered by the Holy Spirit for the supernatural task of making disciples. Now, as you and I study the book of Acts, we discover that the New Testament church is actually birthed in Acts chapter 2. When people hear the gospel of Jesus and the Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence in the life of those who are trusting Christ as Savior. And then as you continue to read, you see the Holy Spirit is giving boldness to those brand new disciples to actually share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, here's what's interesting, all right? You and I, according to Scripture, the moment of salvation were baptized into the Holy Spirit. At the moment of salvation, you were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Paul the Apostle writes in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, for by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. So the moment that I gave my heart to Jesus, God baptized me into the Holy Spirit. And now the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of me. Now I want you to think about this because this is awesome. In the Old Testament, God displayed himself and showed his power in the mobile tabernacle. And then he displayed his power in the temple. And then ultimately he displayed his power and presence in his son, Jesus Christ. And now today, in the New Testament era, God is displaying his power and his presence in you. The Holy Spirit now resides inside of you as a believer. So you're baptized in the Holy Spirit at the moment of your uh, salvation, the moment you trust Jesus Christ. But there's a command in the scripture. Paul commands in the book of Ephesians that we are to not be drunk with wine, but to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now this idea of being filled with the Holy Spirit means to come under his influence. So in the same way a person, whenever they're drinking wine, comes under the influence of the alcohol, you and I are to come under the influence of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit takes control of our mind and teaches us how to think. The Holy Spirit influences our heart and teaches us how to feel. And the Holy Spirit also uh, actually takes over our mouth and teaches us what to speak. So the Holy Spirit fills us. He controls us. Now this is unique. Baptism of the Holy Spirit happens once. But being filled with the Holy Spirit is an ongoing process. So you and I can experience this every single day. Matter of fact, that's one of my prayers. I pray that God would fill me with the Holy Spirit, take control of my life. You know, every once in a while I see that uh, bumper sticker that says, Jesus is my co-pilot. If he is, he's in the wrong seat. Are y'all all right? He should be driving. That's where the Holy Spirit is in full control of your life and my life. But then there's a warning. The warning, again, is written by Paul. He gives it to us in 1 Thessalonians. Here's what he says. Listen to this. He says, do not quench the Holy Spirit. Now, what you think about this, all right? To quench means to pour water on something. So whenever you are being filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is empowering you to do what you could not otherwise do, and that is be a witness, make disciples. 
But whenever you quench the Holy Spirit, you are pouring cold water on his leadership in your life. It's like whenever the Holy Spirit begins to move in your heart and encourage you to do something or to say something, if you deny that, you are in that moment pouring water on what God is seeking to do. So the Bible teaches baptism happens once, filling happens many times, but then we need to be reminded that we need not pour water on the leadership of the Holy Spirit, which is just awesome as we begin to consider what we're looking at this morning. You and I, just like the first century believers, need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we want to take away, that you are empowered by the Spirit to make disciples. Now, my goal is to say that statement 50 times in the message. Are you all with me? You are empowered by the Holy Spirit to make disciples. Now, look at me eyeball to eyeball. Aren't you thankful God didn't call you to this daunting task and say, good luck, fellas? No, God called you, and then he says, now, I'm actually not going to call you. I'm also going to equip you with the Holy Spirit to do what you cannot do on your own. So the Holy Spirit indeed empowers us. Now, no greater example, I don't think, than a guy named Philip in the New Testament. Uh, Philip, uh, by the way, let me introduce you to him if you've never met him before. Uh, Philip was one of the very first deacons in the New Testament church, all right? Don't hold that against him, all right? That was a joke. God bless y'all. <laughs> Anyway, he was. Now, this is interesting. The church was birthed in Acts chapter 2, and man, people were coming to faith in Jesus Christ left and right. 3,000 people came to know Jesus personally in one, after one sermon. And there were so many people that it was impossible for the apostles to take care of all the people. And so there was a group of folks in that 3,000 who began to complain about what was going on because their needs weren't being met. And so the apostle says, well, look, we, we can't, you know, give up preaching and praying to try to meet everybody's needs. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to elect some deacons from among us, which literally means servants, who will take care of you guys. And one of the first requirements is that they would be filled with the Holy Spirit. And guess what? Philip was one of them. And the Bible says that Philip was filled with the Holy Spirit. That is, the Holy Spirit was influencing his life, his thought patterns, his day-to-day -day living, and even what he said. Now, look at me, because this is huge. As you read through the book of Acts, you find that the church, although birthed and blew up on the scene, quickly began to be persecuted. And when they were persecuted, they were being spread out all over the place. Which, when we look at that, we see that as a negative, but really it was a positive. God was allowing persecution so that he could get his gospel witnesses in other areas. Philip was one of them. Philip was pushed out to a place called Samaria. And the Bible says that this deacon Philip, he went around and shared Jesus. And in the scriptures it says that there were many people in Samaria who were coming to know Jesus Christ personally. So there was like this huge awakening, this revival, all because this deacon was faithful to share Jesus Christ. And then the scripture says that in the midst of this revival, all of a sudden, Philip was invited by the Lord to leave it and go somewhere else. Let's see where he's going. Acts chapter 8, verse 25. Y'all got it there? Say yes. Check it out. When they had solemnly testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they started back to Jerusalem and were preaching the gospel to many villages in the Samaritans. But an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road. So he got up and he went, and there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning and sitting in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. And then the spirit said to Philip, go up and join this chariot. And Philip ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, do you understand what you're reading? 
And he said, well, how could I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now, the passage of Scripture which he was reading was this. He was led as a sheep to slaughter. As a lamb before its shearers is silent, so it does not open his mouth. In humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who will relate his generation? For his life is removed from the earth. The eunuch answered Philip and said, Please tell me, of whom does this prophet say this? Of himself or of someone else? And then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning from this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. And they went along the road, and they came to some water. And the eunuch said, Look, there's some water. What prevents me from being baptized? And Philip said, If you believe with all of your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he ordered the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip as well as the eunuch. And he was baptized. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch no longer saw him, but went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself in Azotus, which is just north of Cleveland, if you're curious. <laughs> and the Bible says, and as he passed through, he kept preaching the gospel to all of the cities until he came to Caesarea. Now, I love this historical event in the Scripture. One of the reasons I love it is because it gives me an opportunity to see how the Holy Spirit works in our lives, using us to be a witness for the sake of Jesus. So this morning, really, that's the major question I want to ask of this text. How does the Holy Spirit empower us to make disciples? How does he do it? And what I want to do is encourage you to jot these down because I want these to be uh, principles in your life that are really going to help you, I think, because they've also helped me. So here goes the very first principle that I want to give you this morning. Here's how the Holy Spirit empowers us. Number one, he empowers us by prompting us so we must listen. He empowers us by prompting us so we must listen. So as I said, Philip is enjoying this great revival. And then all of a sudden, he is prompted by the Lord to leave that place and go to a desert road. Verse 26, an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road. Now, what was Philip's reaction to this prompting? Verse 27, the Bible says, so he got up and he went. Can I just say something? This is huge, right? An angel of the Lord speaks. What else would you do? Y'all with me on that? It's like, I think I'm going to go. So that's exactly what he does. And then Philip starts walking down this random road. Hold on to that statement. He's walking down to a random road. Then verse 29, then the Spirit, this is the Holy Spirit, said to Philip, go up and join this chariot. Everybody with me say yes. Now this is huge, okay, because you've got to put yourself in Philip's position. I thought I would kind of uh, fast forward to our current day. Could you imagine soon as church was over with, that the Holy Spirit prompted you to go to downtown Claremont and stand on Main Street. Are y'all with me so far? Now, could you imagine that? So you're down there on that random road, and then all of a sudden, could you imagine if the Holy Spirit said to you, see that Corvette over there with the tinted windows? Knock on them. Now, how would you respond? This cannot be the Lord speaking to me. Huh? Because you got to think about Philip. That's the deal. He left this great place. He went down to this desert road. And then the Lord's like, go up to the chariot. Now, this chariot's not your run-of-the-mill chariot. There's no way it could have been. This was an Ethiopian eunuch who oversaw the treasury of Queen Candace. So this chariot was like a Corvette. Are y'all listening? This chariot was a low rider. This chariot had spinner wheels on the side. This chariot had tinted windows and bass booming on the inside. Are y'all with me? It had... Two horses in the front. But anyway, so uh, that was the engine joke. 
which didn't work either, the other services. But anyway, so uh, here it is. And now all of a sudden the Spirit of God prompts him and says, go up to that chariot. And I love the fact of what the Scripture says about Philip. The Bible says Philip ran to the chariot. Now think about that for just a moment. You wouldn't run to the Corvette. You and I would be sitting around going, there's no way this is the Lord. So what is going on with Philip? He is exercising speedy obedience because the Holy Spirit prompted him. Now everybody listen, because I was trying to think, okay, how can we really uh, put this into our modern context? How is this going to fit in your life and in my life? And then it began to dawn on me that there have been times in my life when the Holy Spirit has prompted me to do something that I would not have otherwise done. Now, let me explain this here. There have been times when I've been in a restaurant and the Holy Spirit would say to me, in my heart, speak to that waitress about Jesus. There have been times when I've been on the airplane, speak to that person sitting to you about Jesus. Times when I've been out even in the foyer of this church, speak to that person about Jesus. Times that I've been at uh, the restaurant and I'm eating with someone, hanging out with them, and the Holy Spirit would just prompt me to share Jesus with them. So whenever this prompting comes... We've got to be obedient. And can I say, I've also had times when the Holy Spirit prompted me to talk to somebody that I had never spoken to before or ever even seen. And those are times when I'm like, Lord, are you sure about this? Why would I speak to that? I don't even know those people. Are y'all listening yet? Philip didn't know the Ethiopian eunuch. Philip is hanging out on this random road, and the Lord says, go to the chariot. Listen to me. Listen to me. This week, many of you are going to be out in your everyday lives, and when you have the perspective on that God is at work in this world displaying his love. Jesus is making you into a missionary, something that you are not. And you are a direct representation of Jesus Christ in this community. When you live with that perspective, you will have the sensitivity to hear the Holy Spirit prompting you to do things. And when he does, do it. <laughs> I'm going to get a running start on that one, all right? And then I want you to say amen, all right? When the Holy Spirit prompts you to do something, do it. That's where we should be. So we're speedy obedience. It's not sitting down questioning the Lord. Are you sure about this? Are you sure? No, no. Speedy obedience. Just do what the Lord places upon your heart. And here's what I've learned, all right? Whenever I have the right perspective, remember the glasses? When I have the right perspective on, God's at work in the world, Jesus is changing me into a missionary, and I'm a part of the church, so I represent Jesus in this community. When I have that perspective on, I am more sensitive to the Holy Spirit speaking to my life. But the times when I'm not listening to the Holy Spirit and really pouring water on his leadership are the times that I've taken off the glasses and I'm not living in such a way as to be a witness. It's like this, and I've been on a ton of mission trips with people. And I can hang out with a group of people for a week or 10 or 15 days. And while we're on that trip, I begin to see grown men sit down and share about how the Holy Spirit encouraged them to do something they would have never done while they were on the trip. Why do they have that attitude on the trip? The reason they have that attitude is because they know while they're on that trip that they are on mission. Now look at the preacher. The Bible teaches we are on mission every single day. So there should be no difference. So every single day that you fling your legs out of the bed and get up in the morning is another day that you represent the Son of God and the Holy Spirit wants to empower you to make disciples. Every day. Now, second truth. Not only does he empower us by 
by prompting us, so we need to listen. But I would also say he empowers us by working ahead of us, so we must trust. He empowers by working ahead of us, so we must trust. Now think about this. The Ethiopian eunuch is hanging out in the chariot, and what is he reading? All right, class, I'm asking you all a question. What is he reading? Isaiah the prophet. So what does that tell us in this particular historical event? It tells us that the Lord was already working on the Ethiopian eunuch. So whenever Philip showed up, he wasn't plowing new ground. The Lord's already been plowing. He just showed up to plant some seed. So the Lord's already working. So then he shows up, and he begins to sit with him. And the Ethiopian eunuch says, well, how will I know? I don't know what the prophet's talking about. Is he talking about himself, or is he talking about someone else? Now, I want you to listen, all right, because this is huge. Everybody with me say, yeah? Again, what empowers me and helps me Whenever I sense that the Holy Spirit wants me to speak to somebody or go somewhere or visit someone or say something or do something, when I'm obedient to that, I'm also trusting that the Holy Spirit is already working where I'm about to show up. Why else would he prompt me to do something? Are y'all listening and say yes? Because this is huge, all right? I can't tell you how many times this has happened, but uh, I'll give you a couple of examples, all right? So me and my wife, we were at Cheddar's with some friends on one occasion, not here, we are in middle, middle Georgia, but we were eating at Cheddar's, and the Lord prompted me to share the gospel with this uh, waitress. And this is unique, right? Because we had friends there with us. I don't normally do it when we got uh, this going on, but anyway, so I, I listened to the Lord, and two lines into sharing with her, all right? Two sentences, this is no joke. She's on her knees beside our table, weeping. And somebody's like, what is going on there? Here's what's going on. The Holy Spirit was already working. When the Holy Spirit is working on someone, listen, he is now looking for you to be a part. He's inviting you. Philip, go down there. You, go down there. You, say that. You, do this. He's already working. There have been times, too, when I've shared the gospel with somebody, and as soon as I finish, here's what they would say to me. Say, uh, you're not going to believe this, Levi, but... Uh, my grandmother told me the same exact story when I was younger. And not only that, you're not going to believe this, and this is no joke, man. Somebody told me this before. Uh, two weeks ago, I had a good friend of mine spend I don't know how many hours telling me the exact same thing you just told me. <laughs> so I'm sitting with this guy, right? And I'm like, you mean your grandmama told you this? And your best friend told you this? And now some perfect stranger told you this? Yeah, that's exactly right. I believe the Lord's trying to say something to you, bro. <laughs> Y'all hear me? You should pay attention. The Lord is working, and the Lord invites us. There is no greater joy than being involved in what God's up to on the world. <laughs> so I invite you. So he, how does he empower us? He empowers us by prompting us. So we've got to obey, listen, move, speedy obedience. He empowers us by working ahead of us, so we've got to trust him. So even in those times when I think, why in the world am I about to open my mouth and say something to this guy? I don't know him. He doesn't know me. Why am I about to share with them? I've got to believe and trust the Lord is working in their life. Amen on that? All right, let me give you the third one. And I like this one. He empowers us by giving us the words to speak. So we need to uh, speak. Y'all out there? He empowers us by giving us words, so we need to speak. Look at verse 35. This is an awesome verse in the Bible. I want y'all to see this. The Bible says, then Philip opened, what does your Bible say? Yeah, then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning from this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. 
So this is an awesome divine appointment in the life of Philip. He shows up, the guy inside the chair is like, I'm sitting here reading Isaiah. Why don't you share with me what's going on? He says, I will. That lamb that's led to slaughter, that is speaking about Jesus. Jesus went to die for your sins, Ethiopian eunuch. He died on the cross because of your sin. He paid your penalty. He is your substitute. He was buried. He was resurrected. And now you can be saved. Repent of your sin. Trust Jesus Christ, and he'll change your life. Well, the Ethiopian unit would have said something to the effect of, I believe I want to make that decision. Well, I'll tell you what, Philip would have responded. Whenever you do, the first step of obedience is to be baptized. Somebody says, well, where in the world are you getting baptism from? Because all of a sudden, the Ethiopian unit sees outside of the tinted windows some water. Well, what prevents me from getting baptized right now? Philip said, now, let's make this straight. Do you believe Jesus Christ to be the Son of God? Sure do. Well, let's go down. And you got to imagine it, right? This is awesome. Because the way the text reads, it's almost like Philip bear hugs the Ethiopian eunuch. They both go under the water and come back up. So that's a baptism right there, boy. Tell you what, get them all. <laughs> Y'all with me on that? That's pretty cool, later. So why is he baptized? Here, here's the reason that he's baptized, all right? Baptism is your initiation into the church, all right? Baptism is the way that you go public about your faith. You'll never find an unbaptized convert in the New Testament. There isn't one. And you're baptized after you come to faith in Jesus Christ. Clearly seen right there in that text. Now, can I, can I talk to y'all for a second about something pretty sweet? Do I need to ask y'all again? Can I talk to y'all about something? It's pretty sweet right here. All right, so y'all remember I go to El Rey. Y'all remember that? That's where it's at. I also know El Rey means the king. Y'all with me on that? So we're starting to call that the King Baptist now. The King Baptist Church is where we're going to eat. So I go and I meet the same guy I think I told you guys about. And I told you all I was meeting a guy up at El Rey last week. I just can't remember who I've talked to. And so, uh, yeah, I'm hanging out with him up there um, at El Rey. And I begin to share with him. And this is neat, right? He and I, we're doing a Bible study together. Uh, as far as I know, he doesn't have a relationship with Jesus yet. And uh, so anyway, he said, I'm going to go buy me a new Bible. So he, he heads down and he tells me this. He said, I went to uh, the store, bought me a new Bible, sent me back $100. I just said, has it got gold pages in it? It's like, what kind of Bible did you get, man? Amazon.com is your friend. Y'all with me on that? All right. So anyway, we're, we're hanging out there, and we began to uh, read through the book of Philippians. And what we're doing is we're really studying that text of Scripture. And the first part is that you would participate in the gospel. And so sitting there over uh, El Rey Tacos, I just say, hey, man, you can't participate in what you don't have. So let me ask you, do you have a personal relationship with Christ? Have you repented of your sin and trusted Jesus? So then he looks at me, and he says, man, you're not going to believe this. I said, what is it? He said, I did it this past week. I said, well, you're going to have to tell me about that. <laughs> Y'all listen? So then he says, well, I got down on my hands and knees at home, uh, and I began to cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, I need to be forgiven of my, all my sin. And Lord, I need to become a follower of yours. I want to do that. He's already praying for his wife and his children. I can get down with that, by the way. Y'all all right with that prayer? It's like, I can get down with that. I shared the gospel with him. He's responded. And then he asked me this question, which I thought was pretty cool. He said, hey, hey, Levi, let me ask you. How long do I have to wait before I start telling people? No, wait. Do it now, waiter. You know what I mean? Tell folks, man. And I love the fact of what he told me. He said, as soon as I got finished praying and got up, man, it's like a burden was rolled off my shoulders. I called my grandmom and my mama, and I told them that I had given my life to Jesus. And here's what he said, and I had become a born-again Christian. I could not. Who even knows that term? 
But then his grandmama said, or mama said, well, praise the Lord, we've been praying that you would come to know Jesus for a long time. Now, y'all ain't listening. He prompts you to do something, speedy obedience. He, he, we are empowered because we know he's already working, so trust him. So whenever I go and I feel the Holy Spirit prompting me to say something to this guy, I am trusting that the Lord's already working on his life. And was the Lord working on his life? Well, that is doubt. His mama's been praying for him. His grandmama's been praying for him. And now this random guy right here shows up and just has the opportunity to share Jesus with him. Are y'all listening? Now, be careful because some of y'all are sitting out there going, well, you the preacher. You're supposed to be doing that. Some people have even said, well, you the preacher, you get paid to do that. Hey, I would just say, just for free, y'all listening, y'all my friends, I can tell, right? But uh, not every preacher's doing it. I don't care what you pay you, right? It's a matter of obedience to Jesus according to Scripture. But I didn't want you to go away going, well, he's the preacher, he's supposed to be doing it. So look at me here. Philip was not a preacher. Just a guy who was involved in church, deacon filled with the Holy Spirit, had a message to share. And then check this out. In Acts chapter 21, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that they began to call him an evangelist because he was so faithful to share Jesus Christ. Hey, can I go back to my, my buddy here? He, he went public on Facebook, all right? Y'all with me? Now, this ain't baptism, but this is, this is awesome. Listen to what he writes. He says, for those that have been praying for me to dedicate my life to Jesus Christ and start spreading his word and living his word, your prayers have been answered. Say what? Isn't that awesome? Check it. Uh, he says it like this, I've all, and I asked his permission to share this. He said I could. So uh, He says, I, I've always said that I was a Christian, but I always failed to act on it. Well, no longer. I've accepted the Lord Jesus and am reading my Bible daily to help me. And then he says this, I've got a great group of supporters at CrossFit Bema. Check, you want me to tell you what's awesome? CrossFit Bema is a, a group of guys in our church actually started CrossFit Bema, and the Lord's using that place. I think Hal's here with us today, right? Hal's back there. And so he knows who I'm talking about. So that's the area, and he's being encouraged. And even as I talk to him, I'll just let you know, Hal, he was saying, man, I go down to CrossFit Bema, and it's like Hal's different, Jonathan's different. I can tell something's different about those guys. <laughs> oh, my word. Check this last sentence out right here. He says, I'm excited for my new walk and new life ahead. Y'all all right with that? I mean, I dig that. Can you imagine the Ethiopian eunuch too? As soon as he finally came to know who Jesus was, how fired up he was. But all of it happened because one guy was filled with the Holy Spirit, felt the Holy Spirit prompting him to do something. He obeyed, trusted the Holy Spirit was already working, and he was. And then the Bible says he opened his mouth, and the Lord filled his mouth with what needed to be said. Look at the preacher, all right? Look at her. The goal, are y'all listening, yeah? The goal's not, to, well, I just about dropped that, y'all listening? The goal's not simply to become smarter so you can share Jesus. The goal is for you to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so people sit back and they're like, oh, I can't share Jesus, I don't know what I'd say. The Holy Spirit will empower you and bring to mind what you need to say. You just be faithful. And the Lord wants to use all of us, all, every one of us. So we need to get in on this action. Right? This is what God's up to. And that's what we want to do. Amen? All right, so lean in, lean in, lean in. Come back here to me, come back to me, come back to me. Hey, everybody, some of y'all are already leaning in. Y'all got bored with the sermon, okay? 
Come on, look at me, eyeball to eyeball. Y'all ready? Look at don't, don't, don't leave without hearing this, all right? The Holy Spirit wants to empower you to make disciples. That's the whole point of the message. Take that. Father, we love you. We thank you for our time together this morning. So grateful for seeing you redeem people and draw them into a relationship with you. And God, I pray for every person who's here this morning that you would encourage them to be witnesses. You promised that you will empower us to do so. So, Lord, I just pray that folks would be obedient, speedy obedience, run up to the chariot obedience for your namesake.